Hey, good evening, West Houston Christian Center. This is Pastor Jack C. And coming to you live from the sanctuary at West Houston Christian Center. It's Tuesday night and it's time for Bible study. Uh, I'm glad that you've joined us tonight. I really hope that we're all taking advantage uh, of this time that we're in right now. And uh, as we are doing uh, the recording of our services and the live streaming and all those things, these are resources that you can go back and look at again and again and again and again. How many times in the Bible did Jesus say, again I say? Uh, Jesus was constantly uh, repeating himself and reestablishing what he had said, and uh, it was meant to be heard more than once. And uh, we have to be wise about training ourselves when we hear something, not just moving on to the next thing. And I just want to highly encourage you as, uh, as a Bible study student to uh, not just listen to something one time. We sometimes have to hear messages over and over and over for them to take root into our hearts and for us to be able to actually renew our minds or change the way they think, to actually allow the Word to work in us. Well, sometimes we're just so used to hearing something new that we just kind of file it and move on and go on to the next thing. And I just want to encourage you because uh, on the West Houston Christian Center YouTube channel alone, there's almost 500 messages that we have access to. That's a lot. And a lot of it's from me, a lot of it's from my parents and, and other guest speakers and stuff. But we have a wealth of wisdom that we can lay hold of through these mediums of media. And I just want to highly encourage you to take advantage of it. Listen to it in your car. Listen to it when you're exercising. Listen to it when you're cooking. Listen to it whenever you can because you know, you hear it and then you really hear it. And uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to a message um, over and over and over. And every time I listen to it, I hear something new. So I just want to encourage you in that area to look at this broadcast tonight, take some notes, get your Bible out, but then also go back and listen to it again. I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will give you something new. We're going to kind of go into part three of how to develop the God kind of faith. And I've kind of tried to give you some steps, step-by-step -step ways that we can do this to not just learn about how to walk in love, but then how are we, how are we to actually do it? And uh, we started first and foremost with forgiveness. Forgiveness is the number one way that we walk in love because we know how much that God loved us that He forgave us then we can also take that same love and we can forgive those that are around us. Remember that Jesus forgave under the worst of circumstances when he was on the cross. That's when he chose to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus forgave under the worst of circumstances. Therefore, we can forgive under the best of circumstances. Number two, we want to renew our mind and we want to build our faith. And there were several things that fall under that. And most importantly is we want to renew our mind to love. We want to get into the scriptures. First Corinthians chapter 13 needs to be the go-to for each and every one of us. We all need to be able to recite First uh, Corinthians 13 uh, from our spirits, to chew on it, that love endures long, and it's patient, and it's kind. It's not envious or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. Um, and so as you know, as we begin to meditate on those scriptures, as I begin to meditate and chew on them, then all of a sudden, uh, just like I get taste out of chewing a great piece of meat, I begin to get taste out of that scripture and it will begin to prosper me. So I want to meditate on love scriptures. Uh, I want to have them written down. I have them uh, in front of my eyes and my ears and coming out of my mouth. 
Um, I want to let God's words uh, fill my thoughts. And the only way that I can do that is by putting the Word of God into me so that He in turn can begin to speak to me, speak to my spirit. Uh, and when I take the Word of God, that's how my faith is built. That's how I get revelation and it gets down inside of me. When I meditate on it, there's that wonderful explosion of light and life that takes place. I get revelation and there's a transfer of ownership to what I've read. So I want to encourage us. I want to feed on love scriptures. I want to meditate on love scriptures. And uh, I want to move into this next part is uh, I want to actually begin to use my imagination as part of the process of renewing my mind and building my faith. If I can't see it, I can't have it. And so I have to get an inner picture, an inner image, an imagination of what I'm believing for, especially when it comes to love. Um, I want to see myself in restoration. I want to see myself um, being restored with somebody potentially uh, that has hurt me along the way. I don't want unforgiveness or offense or any of those things to ever stop or hinder my walk or my growth with the Lord. God is so incredibly patient and kind and gentle with us. And sometimes the process of forgiveness, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take years. But what I want to start to do is I don't want to keep seeing the things that have been done to me. I want to start using my imagination and start getting an inner image of restoration, of love, of joy, um, of uh, seeing um, restoration in these areas, seeing myself forgive somebody who I said I could never, ever forgive. And uh, I want to see myself using my imagination. Remember, when you use your imagination, you're taking away all the obstacles and all the limits. And uh, imagination is free. I can imagine all day long. And uh, I can see myself restored with that person. I can see myself forgiving. I can see uh, all those things that, um, uh, that I'm believing for. But I start with my imagination. I want to get an inner image of it. And then moving into the next part is I want to make sure that my confession is lining up with what I am believing. Um, if I am believing for restoration uh, of a marriage and I'm believing for a husband or I'm believing for a wife, then if I'm saying the faith command, if I'm using the word, if I'm writing down scriptures and doing all those things, I don't want to negate everything that I'm uh, believing for by speaking the opposite of what I want. I can't ask God for restoration in my marriage and then tell everybody how horrible my spouse is or how I'll never forgive them, they'll never amount to anything, all those types of things. I don't want to be self-defeating in my confession. I don't want to cancel out what I'm believing for. <laughs> your confession is a big, big part of your possession. And that's why it's so important in any type of a faith project that I want to make sure that my words are lining up with what I'm believing for. Uh, if I'm believing God for a vehicle, then I want to just thank God that that vehicle is mine, that it's here in the name of Jesus. I've sowed my seed. I'm thankful. I'm imagining it. I'm seeing it. I'm blessed to have it. Uh, and But then when someone asks me where your car is, we don't want to turn around and say, oh, well, it's not here yet. It's just taken so long. I don't know why it's happening. Everybody gets it but me. You see what I'm saying? We don't want to be self-defeating with our confession of what we're trying to possess. And that is a biblical. Remember, these are not new age ways of how we're supposed to receive things. This is how God created the earth. He, 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 he thought, he said, and he saw. Everything that we're walking in today, this whole earth is a product of what God said. And what God said, God saw. 
We're created in His image and we operate the exact same way. I didn't coin this phrase, but I really like using it. We live in a voice-activated world. Everything around us, if you have Siri, if you have whatever you have, voice-activated in your car, on your phones, when you speak, it speaks back. We work the exact same way. This world works the exact same way. It is a voice-activated system. Well, I want to finally get into the final part of this, and it's going to segue into another portion that we're going to talk about tonight. But the fourth and final thing about how to walk in the God kind of love is to pray in the Spirit to strengthen your love walk. And when I talk about praying in the Spirit, what I'm talking about specifically is praying in the Holy Spirit praying in that wonderful prayer language that God gave us when we were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of confusion about tongues and interpretation and all those types of things. Totally understand that. But when we're talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, well, let me back up. When you and I got born again, we got a portion of the Holy Spirit. There's an indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that comes into us. That is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of His Spirit is when He comes into my heart, He burns out all the chaff, He rebuilds me, He lives inside of me. This is when I get to develop out of Galatians the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those come out of anybody that's born again. You do not have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues in order to walk in love. Each and every one of us, when we got saved, that's the first thing that we got through the Holy Spirit was the ability to develop the fruit of the Spirit. So um, we're talking about two very, very different things when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the Spirit. So what we're talking about here is actually praying in the Holy Spirit, and it will help increase our love for one another. So it says in Jude chapter 20, verse 21, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. I want you to see immediately that both of those scriptures are together. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, verse 21, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Uh, in Romans chapter 5, 5, it says, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. When we begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, uh, if you've read anything in James, the, the, the most unruly part of the human body is the tongue. And uh, if I want to make sure that my confession is lining up with what I'm believing, then I want to spend quality time praying in the Holy Spirit because when I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, I'm not thinking or praying my mind. I am praying or thinking the mind of God. I'm taking my mind out of the equation. And so when I am developing praying in the Holy Spirit, I'm dwelling and thinking more on what He thinks than what I think. I can't pray in tongues and hate somebody at the same time. As I am praying in the Spirit, I am taking away all of my, once again, my limitations, my obstacles, and I am praying over that situation. The, Bible, the Holy Spirit, when you pray through Him or allow Him to pray through you, you can actually pray to the heart or to the root of a matter. 
because you're praying God's perfect will in that situation. So as I spend quality time learning to pray in the spirit, praying in tongues, praying over specific situations, praying over the people that have hurt us, praying over the people that maybe uh, we're having a hard time forgiving, then what we do when we pray in the spirit is that we are taking more and more of us out of it and bringing more and more of God into that situation. Um, I hope that makes sense to you. Um, when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're taking your mind and your feelings out of the equation. And I know um, we are such a, a, a sense-oriented group of people where we are driven by our five physical senses. When we learn to develop and pray in the Holy Spirit, then we are actually calming those senses down and going back to the way that we were created uh, in the garden when God created Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were, were a spirit. Um, they possessed a soul and they lived in a body. And that spirit was the part that was alive to God. All the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotion, all that it was created to do was to be some of like a, like a human GPS where we just put in the information into it and it goes where we tell it to go. But what happened when Adam and Eve fell was is that the spirit died, the soul took over, and our body went into decay. And so now our mind, our will, and our emotion is trying to drive the ship. That's why I'm only led by what I see, what I hear, what I say, what I touch, what I feel. That's what's real to us. But we were created to be more, Adam and Eve were more comfortable in the spirit than they were in their own soul. They were more comfortable as spirit beings than they were uh, just walking the earth with their mind, their will, and their emotions and things. So when I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, I'm actually getting my spirit back into ascendancy over my five physical senses. But Pastor Jack, it doesn't make any sense. You know, I'm, I'm praying. I don't understand what I'm praying. Don't worry about that. What I want to do is I want to take a very specific situation and I want to begin to pray in tongues over that situation to allow the Holy Spirit to get God's perfect will to take out all of my mind and my feelings and my emotions so that I can actually get to the root of the matter. If you will pray in the spirit for the unlovable, the love of God will manifest in your life. If you will pray in the spirit for the unlovable, the love of God will manifest. Let me be very transparent with you. I kind of alluded to it last week. The whole reason that I have been preaching and teaching and spending this much time on the love of God is that I am wanting a manifestation of God's love in our church. I'm not saying that it's not there, but I do know that uh, as a body, there's, a, there's a, a higher level of love that God wants to take us to. And the only way that we're going to get there is through revelation. And so the only way to get revelation is through preaching and teaching of the word. So we're going to keep preaching it and teaching it until we're seeing more of a manifestation through revelation within our body and through our services. Well, Pastor Jack, what's it going to look like? It's going to look like that church in Acts chapter 2 that of its own accord could not bear that somebody else in this body did not have enough of what they needed where they went and they sold land and they gave it to the church because the needs of others became bigger than their own needs. That's what I am aiming for in my own personal life. I want my needs to become less and I want the needs of other people to become more. 
And let me tell you, it, it, <laughs> it is not the easiest thing in the world. Ask my beautiful wife. Uh, you're, I'm amazed at just still how much of carnal thinking and worldly thinking even I have after being in full-time ministry now for almost 25 years. And yet when you get into the Word of God, there's different depths, different things in our lives that God wants to unlock and open. And things that have been hidden there for years and years and years are now beginning to come out because God is wanting to deal with us um, about what's getting ready to happen in the earth. And so in order for us to be um, able to do what God has called us to do in these end times, we've got to be whole. And I know that's what I'm endeavoring for in my life, and, and that is wholeness in every area. Uh, no secrets, no hidden rooms, nothing locked away. I want to be able, when God says, you know, here's the vision, run with it, then I don't want any hindrances, any old things to hold me back from doing what God has called me to do. So when I begin to pray in the Holy Spirit for the unlovable, the love of God begins to manifest in my body. Now, what we've talked about before is, is you're not going to feel differently about that person immediately, but you're not going to have the same reaction to them as you used to. The things that they did before that would set you off or push those buttons or make you so mad, now all of a sudden those are replaced with a little bit of empathy, a little bit of compassion. You know, hurt people hurt people. And uh, we, 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 we catch people in different parts of their lives and, you know, sometimes they're just in a bad place. They say they do things. Um, and so unfortunately, that's our, our first experience with them. But, you know, when we, when we can step back and just maybe see something from their point of view sometimes as to what happened to them, it gives us a more accurate way for us to pray to them. I kind of want to shift a little bit now as we were talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about Romans 5, 5. Let me, let me read that to you again. It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Amen. If you'll go back and you'll read, I've always tried to understand what that verse meant. And um, if you go back, and matter of fact, let's look at that real quick. Let's go back to Romans 5. But let's begin in verse, um, verse 4, actually verse 3. Verse 3 of Romans chapter 5 says, Moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. Verse 4, And endurance fortitude develops a maturity of character, approved faith, and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. Verse 5, such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us for God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I've always pondered what that scripture meant. I've looked at all the translations. I prayed about it, but the Holy Spirit is so good. What's he talking about in that verse? What he's saying is, is that I don't have any fear of disappointment. I don't have any fear of tribulation. Because if God loved me so much that he would put the Holy Spirit in my heart, what else wouldn't he do to make sure that I don't succeed? If God loves you that much where he allows his very Holy Spirit to live and dwell within your heart, 
when I go through, what can tribulation do? What can persecution do? Why is that? Because if he, if God loved me that much to give his own Holy Spirit to me, he's not going to leave me. He's not going to disappoint me. He's not going to let me just die through tribulation or persecution. No, 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 no. He's already proven by what he's given me that God will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Um, he didn't bring me into this world just to be cruel and to torture me. Uh, he brought me into this world with a plan and a purpose, and he gave the very best that he had. He gave himself to come into our hearts to live and dwell among us. That is so, so powerful. We have to remember that God's love is unconditional. It is love by choice and not by chance. It is love by choice. It used to be, we used to love by chance, you know, Maybe if I meet the right person, maybe they love me, maybe I love them, maybe there's a chance. God's love isn't like that. God's love is an unconditional love. And let me say it like this. It is an undefeatable benevolence and an unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest goal of the other person. We're talking about this agape love. That's what we've been talking about for weeks and weeks now. What we've been talking about is this God kind of love. Each and every one of us through the Holy Spirit that was shed abroad in our hearts. And you know, let me just say right there about shed abroad in our hearts. The, the deepest, newest, greatest revelation that I have about the love of God, and maybe this will fill in some blanks for you, is that this is covenant. And I have, I, I'm, a, I'm a, a, an American man that was uh, not raised uh, with tribes or, or those types of things where things like covenant were not passed down from generation to generation. But when he's talking about shed abroad in our hearts, we're talking about a blood covenant. And uh, I dare to say that most of us of Americans, myself included, don't have a real grasp of what that word covenant means. One of the closest things that I can, that I can give to you is that it would be a picture of a marriage between a man and a woman. That when we have that marriage ceremony, uh, the husband and wife come together. There's a priest there. Uh, there is an exchange of gifts. There are vows that were taken. There's promises that are made. Uh, on that night on the honeymoon, there's a shedding of blood. That couple enters into a blood covenant. And, and men and women, uh, this will help your marriage. You're not in a marriage. You're in a covenant. And when we stood before God in front of that pastor, in front of that priest, and we declared in front of many witnesses and we exchanged gifts and rings and all the things that used to take place in a, in a ritualistic um, uh, covenant ceremony. We did not enter into a contract with that person. We entered into a covenant. And that covenant is one of the deepest, most powerful things. It is, it is something that was started uh, in the Garden of Eden uh, when Adam and Eve fell. Uh, the first thing that God did is there was a cutting of blood. There was a, an animal that was shed. There were skins that were made and God clothed Adam and Eve. There was a covenant that was cut. God cut, cut, cut covenant with Abraham. Uh, he's cut covenant with all of his mighty men. There was a blood ritual that took place. And all of it was leading up to Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on that cross for you and me. When God saved us, he didn't just save us. There was a blood covenant that was cut between him and I. And the beautiful part about a covenant is that God is the greater and we're the lesser. 
And when we cut covenant with him, what he's saying was, is that you now have access to all of my resources. You and I are covenant brothers, which means what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. Now, what in the world do I have that I could ever offer God that he would want? God said, I am cutting this covenant with you. When we are saved, we are entering into covenant with God through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. When we are talking about the love of God, that's why the love of God is so much deeper than the earthly phileo type of a love. It's a love that's so deep because it's been ratified in blood itself. That's how much that God loves us. It's a blood covenant that we're entering into. It's a love. That's why sometimes we don't understand the love because we look at it through our American eyes and and we don't quite understand the depth of what God is trying to say to us. The depth is, is that I love you so much that there is a shedding of blood that took place to make sure to ratify this thing together that it can never be broken. Your blood covenant with God through love is an unbreakable bond that can never be shaken or taken away from you. No one can touch that bond between you and God through the blood of Jesus Christ. You are sealed in the blood. But what we need to work on doing is accessing the covenant from our end. The blessing of the Lord, it makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. We are in covenant with God through Jesus Christ. But if we don't know it, we don't know what our rights are. We don't know what we're allowed to have. We don't know what each one is responsible for. And God is saying, I stand before you with all of heaven and all of my resources. I'm in covenant with you through my son. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations. He's standing there today and he's saying, ask of me. Our problem sometimes is we don't ask. We get so locked into this day by day, paycheck by paycheck, moment by moment life that we we have to lift our eyes up. We have to look higher. We have to think bigger. We have to dream more because God and all the resources of heaven are standing there waiting for the sons of God to be manifest, to call on his name and to do what we've been called to do. It's an exciting time to be alive right now. Maybe when you look at the news, you don't feel excited, you feel scared. You should be excited. It is harvest time in the world right now. More people are about to come to Jesus Christ now than ever have before, and we get to be a part of what he's doing. Isn't that exciting? In uh, the Passion Translation out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12 says, And may the Lord increase your love until it overflows towards one another and for all people, just as our love overflows towards you. Let me read that. And may the Lord increase your love until it overflows towards one another. I want you to notice that we can actually pray and ask God to increase our love. This is something that we can actually pray and ask God to help us with to increase our love. Let's do it right now. Heavenly Father, I just come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, according to your word, I am asking you, Father, to increase my love for you, for my family, Lord, for those that are around me. I am asking you, Father, and I am believing that I am receiving an increase, Lord, of your love, that compassion, Father, that that unconditional love, Father, that you talk about in the Bible. Father, I am asking you to show me, Father, how this to manifest this more in my life, any hindrances, anything that's blocking the way, Father, any unforgiveness, whatever it may be, Lord, I'm asking you according to your word, by faith, to increase my love. And the Bible says, because you prayed that and you prayed according to his will, that he heard you and that he answered it. 
So uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, verse 19 says, uh, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, verse 19, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I want you to get a picture. This is one of the, the prayers that Paul wrote and that's in the Bible today. And when we go back and when we read that prayer and we pray it, I want you to get a picture that Paul actually prayed this for you and I. Paul prayed that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith, that me being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height. He prayed for us that we could know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul prayed it for us. All we have to do is just agree. All I have to do is just say, Father, I agree with that scripture and I receive everything that it has to say. Now, what those a couple of words um, rooted and grounded and no to be rooted in something means to be fixed firmly. It means to plant. It means to be established. Paul wanted us to be fixed firmly. He wanted us to be planted and he wanted us to be established. He also said he wanted us to be grounded. And that is to say the, to uh, lay the foundation of and to make stable. We were created to live permanently in the love of God. We were created by faith to be established and rooted and grounded. This was what we were created to do. This is what we were created. If, if people ever want to know, well, who am I and what was I created for and, and why am I here? You were created to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. You were created to love and to be loved. I was created in love to love. That's what we were created for. And if we will do those things, you're going to have an amazing life. That word know in verse 19, to know, it means especially through personal experience. It's the same word for intimacy. He wants us to know. He wants you to experience the love of God. The love of God is not some ethereal theological thing that we just talk about it that's so far up that we'll never experience it. God right here, right now, wants each and every one of us to know intimately the love of God. He wants it to permeate every single part of our being. And there's so many great things that we could talk about, especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit and love and covenant and all these things that God has done. But it is my heart. It is Michelle's heart. It is the pastoral staff's heart is we are what I am believing for is a move of the love of God in this place. I am I am prophesying. I am standing in faith and I am believing for God's love to be so manifest in this place that it's contagious, that when people come and visit West Houston Christian Center, maybe they don't stay, maybe they don't agree with what we preach, but they will leave here saying, you know what, those people really loved each other. I cannot think of a greater compliment or testament for someone to say, maybe I don't agree with all of their doctrine, but you know what, I really felt loved when I went there. That's all we can do. That way they had a visitation with God himself. Amen. Well, this is Pastor Jack C. And I want to once again just thank you for letting me come into your home tonight to, to bring the word to you. Um, I say it every week and I mean it. Uh, Michelle and I love you. Uh, my parents, uh, pa our founding pastors, 
Uh, we all love you and we're praying for you on a regular basis. We're believing God for the very best for you. But by the Spirit of God and prompting right now, I just, I just want to say this to you. You need to lift your eyes up. Quit looking down at all you can see and lift up because the God of heaven, your covenant partner, is waiting with all of the resources of heaven to stand by you, to help you, to do whatever he needs to do so that you'll be successful. God loved you so much that he gave you his son and the Holy Spirit in the earth so that we're not here orphans or alone. He gave us the great comforter. Well, this is Pastor Jack C. We love you. West Houston Christian Center loves you. We'll see you Sunday morning at 1030. And Jesus is Lord.